Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everybody hello well hello we uh, are back sort of <laughs> with a very special episode we are um if you listen to our x-files mailbag episode yesterday you know that we are not quite on the schedule um that we anticipated being on we had to take um a week off and give you some bonus content this week we're going to be back um, with our regularly scheduled programming the week after Thanksgiving. So um, November 29th will be the finale of X-Files, and then we will resume our Slayers coverage the next day, November 30th. Uh, we're up to the fifth episode there. You can find all of the updated production schedule on our website, bufferingcast.com. Just click on calendar. Um, for those of you who don't know, I've been dealing with um, some family health stuff. My dad um, is in the later stages of dementia right now, and the last couple of weeks have been pretty difficult and have required um, pretty much 100% of my time um, and energy. So I've been doing that lift um, and uh, I've had a lot of support from all of you uh, and of course so much support from Jenny as always. So thank you for that. All right. So Jenny, uh, that is not to downplay the fucking importance of today's episode, which is really fucking cool and I'm very excited about. Yeah. uh, We had such a lovely conversation with Casey Wayland who produced Slayers and has been working in audio fiction for a very long time and also is uh, co-directing alongside Christopher Golden and Amber Benson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just such a joy to talk to. We got some really cool insights. Uh, a lot of them concern his dog's performance in the show and I'm really <laughs> excited about that. Uh, but there's there's so much good stuff in here. We're really uh, excited to share this conversation with you. Hell yes. Let's get on over there. Casey, thank you for coming on our little podcast. It's such an honor to have you here. Thank you. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. I was uh, I was catching up on uh, the first Slayers episode on buffering uh, and and your first thoughts. It was uh, it's pretty fun. <laughs> what 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 did you think about our thoughts on your thoughts? You know what I mean? Like how many how many times can we go around the circle talking about each other's thoughts on each other's work? <laughs> It, it was pretty fun. I mean, it's 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 really interesting to hear, you know, like people's interpretation of something that I've heard a million times over. Because um, yeah, after sure. a while, you kind of you lose the emotion of it. But getting to hear your feedback on it was really fun. And uh, I'm not all the way through the first episode, I'll be, be honest, but uh, I got a good start on it. So it's fun. It's fun. Uh, very fun. Well, this is uh, for our part. It's the first time we are podcasting about what is what could be considered uh a podcast to be making audio content about audio content is definitely <laughs> a first for us, but it has been really fun and just like so exciting to be back inside of 
the universe uh, yes. with so many familiar voices uh, who we love so much. Yeah, that the, I felt the same way, like coming on set and because I was a Buffy fan. And uh, interestingly enough, like I had put little Easter eggs in my previous audio series about Buffy. And then all of a sudden, then they're like, oh, hey, you want to do one? And I'm like, oh, great. So now everyone thinks that like it's a plant for the future of wherever I got to go with the series. I'm like, sure. You always knew you would be making Slayers. Yes. (laughs) Had no clue. But uh, I'm going to claim, yes, I did. Some foresight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not (laughs) only did you know, but you kind of manifested. Yeah, why not? I want to hear about your your Buffy origin story. You know, obviously, we want to talk about this permutation uh, of things and, and learn how you got here. But start us at the beginning. Did you watch Buffy when it was on, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. Uh, well, actually, I didn't watch it when it was originally airing. Um, it just wasn't on my radar. I was like, mm, you know, it, it, I had heard some things, but I, and people had told me it was really good, but I never really believed them. And also one of the, <laughs> the tough things is like, because it's serialized, being able to catch up when something's airing live, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day when, you know, it was first on, it was really hard. Um, and especially when in my time in my life back then, I was like, no, nah, I couldn't make it work. But then I finally was able to get the whole series. And matter of fact, actually, I have it right there on DVD in the background, the little <laughs> yes. box set. Um, so I was able to actually binge and go through all the episodes and be able to like really involve myself with the arcs and the characters and and really understand how good it was and all the different you know, arcs and manifestations that they did for every season. And I really enjoyed it. As a storyteller, I think it's just a really good example of how you can do something, you know, multi-series narrative, but yet still keep it fresh for every single iteration. As someone who has viewed and enjoyed, we simply have to ask you, um, and there's no wrong answer for the most part, um, (laughs) where you fall on the spuffy, bangel, fuffy... Biley, or if you don't want to get really wild, Barker? Continuum. Uh, Who's your favorite Buffy boyfriend? (laughs) I I'm Team Spike. I mean, uh, that's that's kind of where I fall. Uh Angel was uh a little bit of a pretty boy, and um (laughs) I mean he didn't he didn't go through as much suffering for her. I mean, I not not to say that that is a you know, a good thing or bad thing, but as a character arc to see what he had to do and sacrifice and change himself of who he was, I felt that that was a much more genuine thing. And uh, I felt the love was more true for that. And that the love-hate relationship that they have throughout the whole thing was much more interesting to me as a character than um, than the others. Yeah. And Riley didn't even come close. <laughs> Poor Riley, Uh, Riley. off in the corner with his dunce cap on, um, (laughs) despite our best efforts. So can you tell us how it came to be, uh, for anybody who's listening and doesn't already know, uh, that you you became involved in this project? Where did the spark initiate and where did you find yourself pulled in along the way? Or were you there right at the beginning? So this, it's, it's, kind of an interesting journey. Um, So I've been doing audio fiction since 2009. And Mm -hmm. so I started when podcasts were barely a thing when you had to like sync a Zoom or an iPod via a cable. And yep, good luck with that. 
Um, <laughs> it, it, it has evolved, thankfully, since then, where you can actually just stream to your phone now and, and do it that way. Uh, but I got started early on and sort of made my own uh, path uh, with my own series called We're Alive, which was a serialized audio drama about the zombie apocalypse. Um, and so little by little, I, I kind of grew in the medium, and, and all of a sudden I did a talk in uh, the UK for uh, Pod UK, which was a, a podcast convention on how you can take the audio medium and take it to the next level through some storytelling devices and doing this, 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 things that um, are inherently difficult in an audio medium. And at that time, there were some Audible UK reps in the audience, and they were like, oh, uh, we have a story that we're trying to do. Um, it's an adaptation from an Ubisoft game, and you have a military background, so we think it might be a great, you know, fit. You know, you you got the military side, you got the audio side, and they're trying to do a narrative with this. So I did a project for them called The Division Hearts on Fire, which was an adaptation uh, in audio for Audible, and then I also did another original, which was Motel Evil for Audible, which is another serialized uh, audio fiction story. And then later on, um, they came to me and they said, hey, um, we're working on something. It's a long way out. This is almost maybe almost two years ago now. Uh, mm. They're like, hey, we got we're trying to do something for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I was like, awesome. Uh, sign me up whenever you're ready. They're like, it's it's the cast is mostly in L.A. So we're looking for somebody to coordinate all of that stuff. We need someone who's, you know, can be the boots on ground to run this production uh, and mm -hmm. also someone who can carry it through post because that's one of my specialties is being able to handle uh production and audio because it can get very complicated very quickly and mm -hmm. so uh so they kind of leaned on me they said hey can you do it and i said i'm ready to go when you are and then it just was a matter of just waiting for the stars to align in terms of you know the literal and philosophical <laughs> actors uh to make sure <laughs> that they were all able to do this at the same time and we actually recorded in march of this year and then put the gear in overdrive uh, to be able to release it wow. by October. Wow, that is a fast turn to have like <laughs> yes. that in the room in March. Eight hours in Atmos. Oh. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> so the recording, did the recording happen um, both in LA and also over in the UK? Is that, do I understand that correctly? Yeah, so we we fortunately were able to tie in uh, Anthony Head in the UK um, mm -hmm. to be able to record with our cast for select sessions. Um, there was mm -hmm. a couple sessions he was not able to do synchronous with them, um, but we tried to keep those very minimal as much as possible just because the time difference was actually one of the biggest factors of being able to get mm -hmm. him with the cast and being able to, you know, because he's at the end of his day and we're at the start of ours mm -hmm. and being able to coordinate that with a remote UK studio with everyone's availability. Um, it was very difficult, but we were able to do it um, at the most key moments to make sure that they had that that synchronicity between them and uh and also being able to have everyone in the room at the same time so we at one point i believe we had eight different characters recording at the same time all at you know all at once and i just loved the ability to do that because most people in the audio world they're like oh you don't need to do that but me i'm like no no you can hear a difference is that mm -hmm. is that an experience that you had with all of those uh, voices inside of the room at once from work you had done prior, or is this a new? So you've done you've done this in the past. Yeah, I've done. Um, I think I'm hitting probably around 
maybe 120 hours of produced material and audio. And the getting everyone in the same room at the same time is magic compared to when you have them separate. Because audio is one of these things where, you know, just like television and every other creative medium, it's all about that suspension of disbelief. And if you don't have the characters able to interact with each other, you're going to be missing a lot of elements. The energy is not going to match. There's no improvisation. There's no back and forth. It just feels dead. And it just, it's, it actually becomes much harder to create something that works rather than getting everyone the same space in the same time. And actually it even takes longer. Um, even when you, cause you, when you record a scene, you got to record it twice and it just mm-hmm. takes almost twice as long. Mm-hmm. Will you tell us about some of the moments that you had inside of that room? I mean, I'm sure there are far too many uh, to share all of them here. But, you know, we've seen and I'm sure that most of our listeners have seen some of that footage from um, when you were all together. But that's one, you know, one day, maybe two days worth of work. And so I'm just wondering some of your favorite moments with the cast and um, with the with the whole crew there. Um, after a while, I'll be honest, it kind of all blurs together, um, (laughs) because it's, we're in the studio for almost like two weeks, roughly. And, uh, they're long days and you're looking at the schedule and you're trying to make sure you're on time. But, uh, but it, it, the fun thing about it is just to see how much these characters can come back to life and interact with each other. Like the Spike and Drew scenes were, absolutely magical the way that those two interacted with each other there's a familiarity that you you get after you know you can do recurring seasons with casts and i've done that um but years and years of experience of them playing off each other and just basically all you have to do is just hit start and record (laughs) and you don't have to do a lot of direction with them i mean it's a little (laughs) bit here and there like oh hey we need this for this audio quality or hey we needed a pickup of you biting someone's neck um, but other than that, it's, it's, you just start the motor and they just, they, they do the driving for you. And it's so much fun, um, to watch them play and interact. And also when you bring in a fresh cast member, like Indira, there's, uh, I know James will tell a lot of stories about like when all of a sudden she stepped onto the stage for the first time, everyone just kind of like perked up and had to like really, you know, feed off of her. Cause she just brought an energy that they, they had to bring their A game for, and it just kind of raised all of the uh, performances over the top. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun to be able to be in there and and let them ping pong back and forth, have jokes, tell stories, and and reunite after so many years of of being apart. And uh, I just got to kind of sit at the side, make sure they hit their targets, their directions here and there, and, and just get to witness this magic. Yeah, it's a it's a real joy to get to listen to the magic. It's like just uh, you know, I I think anybody within the fandom would agree that like the announce of this was just like what? This is uh beyond I'm sure like uh what anybody ever really thought would would ultimately be possible within the universe like continuing to expand with with so many of these people that we that, you know, brought characters to life that we love. A ton. It's just like it's just such a such a gift. And you you found out fandom. when when everybody else did with the public release. I take it so just about a month before the release, they that's when you found out. Or did you or did you have some privy knowledge? We were we were um, tipped off. Uh, we're cool. By Actually, someone. We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. so. We we uh, <laughs> got an advanced flare from Audible. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> Uh, when we when we heard about it, though, it really did feel like how could this be uh, an actual true real thing? Because 
it, yeah. it braided together so many of our little like fantasy uh, threads from over the years. Like, wow, it would be so cool if there was like a new Slayer. And wow, it would be so cool if we got more Cordelia and like got to really lean into Cordelia's. It just was like everything that was on our bingo card really got ticked <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. uh, Justice for Cordelia. Anya doesn't have to be dead. Uh, Tara doesn't have to be dead. Wow, uh, how cool. Our favorite part of like fantasy storytelling is, you know, you don't really like you don't really always have to mourn to death completely because there's always a way. <laughs> Especially, I mean, in the in the fantasy stories, I mean, there's been a lot of, I mean, Buffy, the character alone, came, died and came back. And and it, it was a really fun way of doing that. But also, I mean, the, the way that it's told now, the stakes, I think, still are there, which is nice. And it got to explore mm-hmm. some different avenues. And I think a uh, slight spoiler being part of this new world, so to speak, it kind of resets some things that can be a little bit more because like in the original, now that it's in this new world, I mean, there's so many slayers in that other world that, that mm. it was uh, I think there's a line in slayers where like you're a dime a dozen, essentially. And there's so many now that it, it lost the weight of being one. And now in this world, all the stakes are back up there, which I think is kind of a fun way of kind of starting anew. And uh, and especially with this kind of a, of complicated IP with you know the ownership and who controls what and going through mm-hmm. Disney mm-hmm. and Fox and all those fun things. It's <laughs> uh, it's it's really fun to be able to like hit a reset button and do things differently um, and also kind of prove that it works and maybe get to do more. I, I really you better you better we we will have words with the powers that be. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping I I know no more than you do at this point. Yeah. I will yeah. say because it's still it's still fresh off the release and uh, but fingers crossed and uh, well once you get to the buffering of the last episode uh, then you'll oh. be able to probably talk about some of the things that could be out there. Oh, uh, really, really hope so. Really, really hope so. Um, I, I there's there's a whole bunch of things that I already have in my brain that I want to talk to you about just from what we've said so far, but. There's so much in the sound design that we haven't even like cracked open yet. And I know that you had so much to do with so much of the audio and audio effects that we hear. Um, I'm going to politely turn it over to Jenny to phrase these questions (laughs) properly because I am simply a novice, but she is a proper music person. I I just have like a I I have one extremely (laughs) pressing my number one top priority question re-sound design can you tell us or is it you know too private of a trade secret (laughs) uh how you achieved the sound of clem's ears flapping (laughs) that's a that's an old-fashioned technique of uh, i got my dog to do it um And uh, I will, uh, after this, I'll send you the video of it. I, I might have it handy <gasps> here. Um, and uh, essentially, uh, I, I go to the source on a lot of things, and I was trying to find a way to do the floppy ear thing, and nothing was working because, you know, it's the prosthetic ears and everything involved with mm. that. It's hard to create something from scratch. And that's the thing about sound that some people don't realize is you just can't, like, do something from nothing. It has to have a source. Like mm. even when they create dragons on some of those crazy shows, they they tend to, um, you know, have them come from like a pig and an alligator and all these other different different pieces. So you have to have mm-hmm. like a genuine source to be able to make it work. And so what I did um, 
was I had my dog um, who, uh, and I could probably show a little bit on the phone. I mean, I'll, 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 I will send you the video there. Uh, but essentially, like, just <laughs> I was trying to get his rub his ears to where I could get get that floppy sound to work where it's just because he's he's kind of a um, uh, he's a rescue dog with big floppy ears. So I was trying to, like, like, just touch his ears to do it. And all of a sudden, after a few minutes, he just did this little shake. And I was like, mm-hmm. perfect. We're good. That'll that'll be fine. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It, honestly, his ears seem to be also like uh, similar in size to Clem's ears. Like the you know mm-hmm. the the dynamics there, the the measurements seem <laughs> on. <laughs> so he he actually provided not only the floppy ears for Clem, um, it, one of my favorite moments for sound, by the way. Um, but he also did. Um, this is a slight spoiler for when you get later in the series. But he also did the claws for the lion. Um, the little, the, the claws of when the, the, the lion is walking through, like we oh. didn't have those types of the nails of keratin on concrete just didn't sound right from all the sound libraries I did. So I'm like, great, let me just pick up my dog and drop him several times. And then I turn that into <laughs> the claws of him walking. Oh my gosh. For the listeners uh, who may not see this video uh, elsewhere, please know that also during <laughs> that moment of lion paw sounds, your do- what is your dog's name, first of all? Oh, it's, it's, it's Nacho. He's Nacho. a, uh, he's a rescue nice. from Tijuana. He, he used to live, he used to be a street dog oh. and uh, we rescued him. He's about six years old now. Wow. Nacho was uh, getting a good sniff or lick of the microphone in the room in that clip, which. (laughs) He does that a lot. And I'm like, "Eh, I can't use that part. But, uh, you know, as long as you get some pieces in there, uh, it it works. And Uh, petition to get Nacho in the in the audible credits. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's it's funny. We uh, we the, the animals in this show were probably the most difficult part. Um, because mm. especially Jasper is mm. people don't think about this, but like when you have a dog, that's a character in the show, you have to essentially find the same dog, but they have to have a multitude of different takes. And mm. that was so hard to find. We actually, um, cast my neighbor's dog in it. Um, <laughs> and it took us forever cause the dog, you know, when you want a dog to perform or even a, anything to perform like an animal, it never does. <laughs> Um, and we needed a lot because Jasper's in the whole thing for, you know, hours on end. Um, and then we went through and, and basically did an analyzation of all the dogs and said, oh, this, this yip here means this, this yip means this and translated them all to be used where they Ah. needed to be. Wow. So it's sort of like you created a dog language for Jasper and then used that for appropriate emotional moments. Yeah, exactly. That way that sound designer, instead of like searching for something, because literally the Jasper talks, I mean, if you want to think about it like lines, it has like maybe 50 lines an episode sometimes. And you Mm -hmm. don't you don't want the same. You want different. I was going to say that, you know, when you listen to this as just a a listener, you're just driving your car or you've got your headphones on or what have you. Jasper is there and he's a dog and it feels real. But even when we go back in, like when uh, we go back in and take our notes, I have the script in front of me. And when you actually see like sound effects, Jasper is this is Jasper's feeling. I'm like, wow, I'm really starting to understand some of the behind the scenes lift on this thing that just feels so normal. It's just a dog barking in a room. 
But wow, to get that to like actually just feel so normal is huge. And then we manipulate the dog completely because it becomes a dog and a person. It, it just gets <laughs> it gets wacky. The kinds of things we had to do for that, and then um, and then also the monkey. The monkey was. Um, do you do you know the story behind the monkey? Did they tell you? I I got tell us. I got a clue, but I I don't have the full. Uh, I have story. nothing, and I would really like <laughs> an explanation of Mr. Pickles, please. Uh, I am Mr. Pickles. Incredible. Spit take. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that when you were drinking, Kristen. But um... <laughs> I know I had to lean away from the microphone. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, so I was, I was in the studio and I just started doing Mr. Pickles to be able to have them interact with it. And, and then Chris was like, well, just go up to the mic and we'll just get it recorded. And I'm like, great. It'll be temp. It'll give us something to go with. And then they were like, okay, cool. We'll keep it. You're just, you're now Mr. Pickles. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Is that All on right. your IMDb page? Yeah, or? something new for IMDb. <laughs> I, I probably will. I probably <laughs> will list it. Um, just for fun, there there actually is. If you listen to the credits, there's a little joke when it gets to Mr. Pickles' credit at the very end of Slayers um, that I will leave for you. Most people, you know, they're like, ah, I'm not gonna listen to the credits. It's a little Easter egg in there. Oh, fun! A tasty treat. I don't Excellent. know these these Buffyverse kids. They are all about <laughs> Easter eggs, you know. <laughs> Combing through. Uh, I'm curious about um, a particular sound effect um, and how much you had to do with it, which is the sound effect that cues us that we're moving between dimensions. Um, mm -hmm. It's such a specific cue and it's such an important cue for the listener. So I would love to hear what that process was like and figuring out what it was going to be. So that's a it's a combination because like every single sound effect that we have is a combination about like five or six, depending on what it is, especially the magic stuff, like the magic stuff to be able to get. Um, you have sound effects libraries that you can pull from and it's like you have magic and you have this tone, you have that tone, but really it's about like taking pieces of them and kind of manipulating them in a way to make it work together. So it's a little bit of the composer also would enhance some background noise as well. So we did not only um, some effects on the foreground, but also the music itself has some additionals. Um, and then if you listen really closely, you'll actually notice that depending on the um, the warping between which reality it's different so you'll know if you're in essentially universe a or universe b as they mm. go between the two so we tried to make them unique like that so that it has this signature of oh i know exactly where i am at this point in mm. time i don't know the first thing about atmos i just know that i have i heard it jenny you did something that was in atmos <laughs> and that was the first time i'd heard of it and then this is in atmos and so i I think that there will be a spectrum of people like me who are like, so what's happening there? And up to, you know, people like you who are actually creating the thing. But I, maybe, Jenny, you have more specific questions that will make more sense. But I just want to hear how this works and what it's doing to my ears and brain. <laughs> That's it's it's one of these things that is actually is difficult for some people to listen in at most because uh, it only works on certain devices because. Are, you get to listen to binaural in headphones um, is the standard release. You can kind of hear the stereophonic qualities of ear to ear. But um, what Atmos does is if um, like if you have AirPod Pros, what they do is they actually take a picture of your ear when you first get them so that when you put them in your ear, they actually know kind of how your ear responds. And so they can actually like track your head movement. So when you're facing certain sounds, you can hear them as you move. 
Whoa, okay. Okay, so I'm just impressed by the audio. Didn't even hear it in Atmos, and we're starting there. Great, cool. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a it's a really cool experience, and it's kind of like a future-proof thing where more and more devices mm. are being able to listen in Atmos. So um, that's one of the cool things about it is is we had to essentially do an entire mix of the thing uh, and also give positions to all the characters, all the effects. So when you're hearing mm -hmm. people move across, literally we had to move them in 3D space as they're going from place to place to be able to kind of get that Atmos sound. So if you were to say, listen to it in like a theater, you would feel that the characters are moving around um, around you. And even when the characters, like the first scene, when they're throwing over your head, you'll actually hear them go over your head because there's there's literally uh, there are speakers in the ceiling. Wow. Um, wow. When you are when you're listening to to this stuff, and it added a lot of work to be able to figure out how to not only create Atmos, but then also unify the experience for those who can't listen in Atmos. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it it was a very complicated workflow, and like uh, we I made a manual for it that's like over eighty pages because it was that much of a it was a new thing for us <laughs> as well. Um, and so with this new technology and how to make it work right. And, uh, even people at Dolby and even Audible are still figuring out how to do it in this audio space because Atmos is usually tailored for movie theaters where mm -hmm. you have a screen. When you don't have a screen, you're limitless with how you want to make it happen. So we would have characters like when you have a character who's like entering from the magic shop in behind you, we can actually do that in 3d space and then have them come forward to feel like you're you're taking advantage of the entire sphere of audio around you. That's so cool. That's so wild. It was really fun. Complicated and really time consuming. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. fun. <laughs> Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Jenny, I'm going to leave uh, space for you for any other audio-specific questions since I my question was, what is Atmos? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we we hit all of my most pressing questions. F- uh, full disclosure, oh, I am right. I'm only um, I've only listened through episode four. I'm like I'm the unspoiled party ah, in our lesson. Okay. Kristen has been all the way to, to I'm the not end. So used I have to protecting her either. She's usually <laughs> yeah. always protecting me from spoilers. Uh. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I mean, it's there's a lot that'll that'll happen. Matter of fact, I think. Is it the end of... Oh, so you have listened to four. There's a really fun uh, Atmos section at the very end of four where the uh, the room kind of gets sucked into a portal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's one of my favorite Atmos moments where, like, literally, if you watch the 3D space, they're, like, circling around the room and they get pulled to the very center. Um, and if you got to hear that with all the speakers in that setup, it's just one of the most incredible moments that I think is inside of this uh, this feature. Oh, that's so wild it felt wild to hear just in regular <laughs> headphones but you'll be ready it won't be like when uh buffy the television series got put into widescreen and then we could all see the camera folks and you know you're you're prepared mm-hmm. you're ready for all of the future so <laughs> your creation will be preserved for the future of time <laughs> exactly and and uh if they you know if by the future when you have more and more drivers in your ears and the way that people can listen now gets even better, Mm -hmm. then you can just increase your listening experience. And I've had a lot of people come back to me later on after, because even when I first started this, headphones were not very good. And they've actually made a lot of improvements in the last like 10 years. And they're like, oh man, I'm I'm hearing stuff I never heard before. And I'm like, yes, good. (laughs) There's also this balance of the listener getting grossed out and doing too many things like squishy and things like that. Like people, their ears tend to not like that sometimes. And so those are the moments sometimes we had to to draw it back a little bit. Um, And actually, there was something that was cut out um, in the very introduction when Spike is talking about the space of the the gambling pit in the first episode we did put Mm -hmm. a little bit in the background as he's talking about it but then we took it out to kind of give it when it when he transitions to the space we hit it you know a little bit harder rather than kind Mm -hmm. of inspire it a little bit more to kind of get the idea of what their Mm -hmm. world is like and uh, a lot of it also has to come from the booth like these monsters have to be like monsters in the booth and then you just add the enhancements on on top of that the Anyanka stuff is unbelievable. Yeah. It's really yeah, it unbelievable. So we have just been losing it over Emma's performance and then in combination with the effects that are put on Anyanka, just as Anyanka, but then Anyanka and Clem's head and, you know, so on and so forth. Just stunning and chilling and also hilarious somehow, you know, like all the things we want from the Buffyverse. <laughs> There's, the, the, there, there are more audio special effects, I think, in this than I've ever done before in any production <laughs> Like if you listen closely, like that you just mentioned the the Anya voice and Clem's head. If you listen very carefully, there's a tone in the background that happens when she's talking to him. Even though you can't hear her voice, you can hear the tone when it starts to get impactful and it starts to affect him, so that you can know that she is actually talking at that time, even though you can't hear it. Wow, that's really yeah. fucking cool. <laughs> Love it. 
any other Easter eggs that we should go digging for uh, that we oh. haven't found? I mean, oh. I know that's the really undoes the point of an Easter egg. We're supposed to find them, but um, <laughs> just there's there's so many little things that are custom to these scenes, like custom chains, custom voices, um, just. There's so much going on in the background, too. Like, we would have full Walla sessions with people acting as demons because we had to create something from scratch. And that's that's always hard is, is like, Walla. We can't just go with just a typical soundtrack of, oh, we're just going to have a crowd in the background. No, it's a demon pit with people gambling. I mean, they're not going to be gambling with money. They're, you know, how do you reinforce a scene like that? Just... You yeah. have to have a, a bunch of, you know, actors performing in the background doing crazy things. So if you listen carefully, you can see some of the, or hear some of the conversations they have. And just none of it's scripted. It's just them having fun in the booth. Yeah. <laughs> Had you worked with any of these folks before? Uh, the Some of the actors are. Like um, one of the, the cinnamon vampire is a friend of mine who I've worked with in the past. Um, there is a torture victim, um, that's in the background. That's my wife. Um, that is <laughs> one of the most heart crushing screams in the, one of the, the, the torture rooms in the background of my wife. Um, we recorded it in front of my son and my son was just like, just, just dr- didn't, didn't know the mom could get there. Uh, oh my God. How old, how old is your son? Uh, my son is, is seven and a half. And um, he he does audio stuff with me. Actually, he's um, I'm doing another story right now about kids on Catalina and the zombie apocalypse. It's kind of like Lord of the Flies meets uh, the zombie world. And uh, he's playing a lot of the background kids in that um, to fill in the blanks. And uh, he has a lot of fun with it. But he he never knew that mom could do it or or dad, for that (laughs) instance, like. We, we tend to throw our voices in there when it's necessary and we don't have anything. And um, mm-hmm. inadvertently, there's a, there's a couple. Like, I actually, I play one of the demons that gets his tongue torn out by Spike. Um, so that was that was a delicious. fun one. Delicious. It's, it's fun. <laughs> you get to, as a sound designer, you always need an extra voice here and there. So inadvertently, it tends mm-hmm. to be one of us throwing our voice in there. I had asked also, like, I had asked if you had worked with any folks before, both for your answer, but also just for the two of us, you know, every time we've interacted with anyone from the cast, it has been the most incredible experience. They just seem to be this very magical, no pun intended, group of individuals. And so I was also wondering, you know, what it was like for you, but, you know, coming into it, both a fan of their their work and the show and the content and all of that, but really getting to kind of see them be together in a space with each other yeah it's honestly working with this cast is like i said before it's magical they're all of them are the sweetest people you could you could work with i've i've worked with many different celebrity voices before and all of them are just they're very down to earth they're very focused like james is one of the most like professional actors in terms of just focusing and and really he's he is a big fan of the craft like he will he will commit Mm -hmm. to no end and he will not (laughs) he he won't uh he won't be done until he feels that it's 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 right and he's just wants to get it perfectly in the can and that was that was tough like because when we first worked with james he was a little bit under the weather um in the recording Mm. process because he got he was doing a con right before and uh, we we had to push him through some stuff and 
he held on and like he's more of a trooper i think than i've i've worked with any other actor of like just pushing through um because he wanted to be there with the characters he wanted to interact and uh and then what we were able to do afterwards was we were able to bring him back into the studio and do pickups of those moments that may have like didn't like his voice maybe was tired mm -hmm. or, or cracked at that point. So we were able yeah. to use those performances to influence. Um, but working with him through the whole thing was just super fun. And, um, and charisma and I, like, I was a little worried. I like, I didn't know how directing charisma was going to be. I was like, you know, you never know how people respond to someone on the side saying, Hey, I need you to do this, especially when there are three directors. I mean, there's, there's mm -hmm. Chris and there's Amber and myself. And, um, it, they all have different notes. And when you're sometimes are getting, you know, we, we really didn't have any conflicts between us in terms of what the notes, the direction we want to have. We all would have something different to say. Mm -hmm. um, Chris would, would come in with something with the story. Amber would come up with something about the performance uh, aspect. I may come in with something that was performance or sound wise or, you know, a piece that we needed here or there. Um, but we all worked pretty well together to make that happen. But I also, I, you never know how an actor is going to receive getting direction and, Especially with something like this, that's like I need you to perform action in front of a microphone, mm -hmm. and some actors really get it because they've done a lot of voice stuff, and some some they don't. So I'm always like, mm, are they gonna? And she was the the sweetest person to work with. Like I would get up a lot and just work with her on my feet, um, and be like, okay, we need to do this, we need to do this, and like I would literally like point a hand and be like, okay, I need you to hit, and then you to hit. And then you to hit. And then I would, so I, was, I would like physically get up and direct them that way. And oh, she was so, so responsive and loved working with me on that. And and uh, we've actually it's kind of funny now, we're, like out of all the cast members, we're the one of ones that actually like still keep in contact through it mm -hmm. all um, as she is doing a lot of Slayer stuff and and just just one of the sweetest per people to work with and uh it's it's like that with a lot of the cast they're just so down to earth like Jimmy Leary is just an amazing funny guy and uh it's just everybody brings something really cool to yeah. to this experience and uh I'm honestly looking forward to getting the band back together uh knock on wood hopefully we get to do it again and and kind of get to explore new routes where the story takes you because i think it's one of these things where now that you've proven that the story can work and that people enjoy mm -hmm. it there's an audience for it um the next time you get to you know get to go even further and and like even make a even stronger second season now that yeah. it, you kind of establish something you can go even uh even further with it yeah, yeah, yes. Absolutely. Let it be so. We want that. And if you have, uh, if you wind up writing any podcasters into your universe, we are here for you, Casey. <laughs> Need any extra narrative lift from our end? We've got you. <laughs> I part of me is actually kind of glad I didn't do any real writing on this one because mm. uh, it's this is tough. I mean, when you're dealing with something that's existed already, and there are other creative elements already in place of things that have already been established, you're always mm -hmm. going to get people who, you know, are a little bit harder on that. So in some ways I'm kind of like, yeah, I like being the one of the directors and a producer <laughs> on it. I get to, I get to look at a script and say, okay, let's, let's modify this or change this, mm -hmm. or this is how we can make these moments work a little bit differently here to make sure it translates across the medium um, without having to worry about like story stuff. Cause story stuff gets really, really tricky. Um, Especially with like, this universe that people take like have such a personal deep 
in many cases, long-standing attachment to mm-hmm. specific versions of these characters that now are being explored in new ways. I mean, I think it's like, I feel like we're we're living in peak multiverse acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> at this moment in time. So like, this might be the best possible time for sort of like a new branch to shoot off from this established world. But um, I'm just like, I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited yeah. to have a new kind of story. This sort of like uh, the new voice that is creating this this world, like or an ex- expansion of a world that we already know and love and like going mm-hmm. new places with it. It's just, it's just so awesome. It's just so great to be alive at this moment. <laughs> it, it really is. And like, and also to explore like new characters. Like I think Adira was one of the best like additions to the cast of like bringing mm. someone fresh uh, in to to really embody a character. And I do have a little weird story about how we found her. Um, please. Yes, please. So, she um, is so fantastic. She, isn't she amazing? Like uh, unbelievable. We uh, when we were first going through this, Amber, Chris, and I have like the casting process of bringing in these new characters because we didn't have very many new characters to bring in, but we did have some mm-hmm. to you know find a, find the right role for. Um, and I'm a pretty big gamer, so I was playing uh, God of War Ragnarok, and literally they had given me the script and I had read it, and I was like, we've been thinking about casting, and all of a sudden I'm playing it one day, and I'm like, and then her character comes on, um, and I'm like, perfect. <laughs> That's exactly who we need for this role because I I hear a lot of voices all day long and when one of them like jumps out at me like oh this is a the, mm-hmm. would be the perfect character mm-hmm. and then we just made some connections made some phone calls found agents pulled it together and we're like hey want to do this and Leia Leia is the best just so so into audio that she knows her instincts are far beyond her years in terms of how she can approach something and honestly just will blow you away with anything she does yeah she's crushing so hard that is the nerdiest possible story you could have told us so really (laughs) fitting in this space um i mean i am probably one of the bigger nerds on the team (laughs) by far in a way i feel so very honored that you came and chatted with us we've been uh devouring this well i really did devour the series uh i've I've put all nine in my head um but it's been really cool to get some behind the scenes stuff with you and uh i hope that this is the first of many conversations that we get to have with you as the universe expands we hope we hope knocking on all the wood yeah. um, be so thank you for you know all of the all of the things that we have in the story but uh, all of the ways in which you also brought the sound in here to make it feel like we are sitting in the room it's just fantastic oh thank you yeah it's it, honestly it this was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in terms of production <laughs> with all the little weird things you get and sometimes at the 11th hour um like oh there i can i can dish right a little bit yes that's what you're <laughs> um, for. i mean i, I know i know we're, we're towards the end of this and all but um there there the interesting thing about doing this is like um getting permission to use certain things and actually we unfortunately had to cut um there was a um a, like a little poem that Drusilla did while she was combing the hair of her dolly in one of the later episodes that you hear. Um, and unfortunately, it's like whenever you start singing something, 
it gets really weird. And even though they had the rights to the song underneath it, they were a little like concerned with how it would work. So they had to completely uh, cut that, unfortunately, last wow. minute. So stuff like that happened. And then also there was a there's a there's a part where Clem hums and because he hums something that was not public domain in Europe, but it's public domain in the U.S., we had to do a pickup session for just humming. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. We had to do it, all, all this came in very last minute, too, of to yeah. be able to hit the crossing of that finish line in time. And I don't think they're going to mind me saying those things just because it's it's one of the things, of, you know, when you deal with something like this and higher pieces, there's always something coming down the pipe. And um, yeah, so and that was a, that was a last minute swap out, especially when, you know, when you're dealing with eight hours of stuff, swapping something last minute is never easy. Oh, my gosh. No, I cannot. I cannot imagine uh all of the the small small things that become huge things in creating Mm -hmm. a project like this truly but overall it's been fun and i'm really hoping that like when when the more and more people listen to this and add reviews to it online the uh the more chance we have of of making even more so fingers crossed to to dive back yeah we have to we have to add the call for people for folks to review that's a call that we have not been making but uh we will we'll add that in um because we want we want more we will use any power we have (laughs) to get more (laughs) any means necessary the more the more you share it the more it uh it has legs for a second season is, is what i'm told yeah yeah and folks i think are really invested in i mean the folks that we've been in conversation with through what we do are really invested in the story and um you know really all hoping for more so hopefully that will all translate in the ways that uh it needs to to get you guys back for a second season yay (laughs) (laughs) because we always we all we always need more mr pickles right always Uh, always Uh, apart from your incredible work uh, voicing Mr. Pickles, uh, Casey, and obviously what we've been talking about, is, are there other projects that you're working on now or that you have out there in the world that you want to tell our listeners about as well? Sure. So uh, so I've been doing a series called We're Alive since 2009. Um, we're currently in our uh, working on our eighth season, eighth and ninth season now. It's It's been a long wow. running series um, and it's all audio. It's kind of how I got my start doing all of this. Um, and the next iteration hopefully will be out next year. That's the Scout's Honor one, which is sort of like a standalone story. Um, and then we have the next iterations of our Descendants, which is the the last iterations of the final of this of the series to close out all all of it. But so it's cool. been a fun run. It's been going on for a long time, and uh, it's all free on podcast form. And so if anybody was curious about what other things that we've made in audio, there's there's a oh, large yeah. back catalog that might keep you occupied if you're curious. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you again, Casey. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. To talk to of us. course. I'll be more than happy to, to talk more when, fingers crossed, we do that second season. Hell yes. yes. We will hold you to that. Welcome. You've got the digital folklore. Monsters lurk 
in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can all... Hey, holy... Hey. Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.